heaven, just remind me that I go up to Jesus and tell him that he needs to bring up the amazing grace, parish, worship choir just to worship in heaven. Amen? Amen. I love it. And then all this jazzy chords in the team. It's powerful, powerful. Amen. I want to speak with you in this theme. I just love this whole idea about the festival of grace. There's this thing about grace, you know? And, um, and I'd just like to speak with you. The Lord has just poured out my heart on in Luke chapter 15. So if you want to get to your Bibles and you just want to quickly read some verses in Luke chapter 15, and then we'll dive into it. Amen? Amen. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, I'll do my best to be a more African speaker, but please bear with me. I'm just Dutch. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now that's kind of a bit of a rough thing to say, you know, to your father. Give me the part of the estate. In other words, Dad, I want my inheritance. And you don't get to your inheritance unless somebody died. So when you say to your dad, I want my inheritance, you're basically saying to him, Dad, you're dead to me. That's kind of rough, right? How audacious this boy was, how incredible rude he said dad I don't see you as my dad I just see you as a dead man give me my estate and after he had waited his, uh, after he had his wealth um, oh wait wait not long after that the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in wild living now moving away in that time for those Jews the distant country, I mean the faraway country, actually spoke about a country that you would actually break with every moral that you've been brought up with, with every principle you've been taught, and you break away, and you completely live your life in a different way. So it's not only saying that your father is dead, but it's also breaking away from every culture, from every moral thing that you've been taught by your parents, and go live in a distant country. So. So, so that principle that Jesus was pouring there, he was speaking about, well, the Jews knew, it was a life without God. Mm. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. And so often God uses this feeling about you know, struggles and hardship to get us to an aha moment, to a waking up moment. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave anything. So when he came to his senses, this aha moment, he said, how many of my father's hired men have good food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you, heaven, uh, against heaven and against you. And I'm no longer worthy to... Uh, be called your son, but make me one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Kind of like a weird, you know, coming back together. You know? It's kind of, you can see the pain in his heart, you know. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But while he was still away, a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, this was really, in the, in the biblical times, this was kind of a, every Jew knew that if you would go off to a far country, if you would break away from your village cultures and, and all of the morals that you've been brought up with, and you would live your life in your own way, and you would come back, you basically would be stoned to death. Because the, the shame that you brought on your family, the shame that you brought on the country, on, on the village, was so big that you were actually supposed to be killed. So the father was waiting. Now have you ever seen a man in a dress run? Uh, you know, have you ever been to Israel? You know, it's, it's stony, it's, it's sandy, it's... Yeah. And, and you can run with a dress. Do you, do you run with a dress then? It's impossible to run with a dress. So what did the father have to do? He had to gear up his, his skirt dress so he could run. So he had bare legs. And bare legs is a sign of shame. So no one would be pulling up his dress because it's shameful to do in that time. But he did. So he took the part of the sun he took the shame of the son and he ran to the son and he threw his arms around him before the stones could even kill him. Mm. Now this story has so many different meanings, but let's keep on reading a little bit more. So he kissed him as his son. He said to him, and the son said, Father, I have sinned against you. I sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring him the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. A ring on a finger that means authority. It means back into the family line. You only had a ring if you are truly a son. And so, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. And I love that part. God's preparing a feast for you and me. He was willingly to pull up his skirt and run to you. To took your shame before the stones could kill you. He wrapped you in his arms. Mm. He kissed your forehead as a sign of intimacy. Mm. He looks at you with no eyes of disappointment, with no tears of shame. He looks with you with compassion and love. And then he says, come in, let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. Now I know we have some sons and daughters in the house that would actually enjoy a big feast. Amen? Amen. We just Worship the Lord, eh? We want to be more with Him today. We want to, we don't want to leave that feast. How beautiful that feast is. And let's quickly read further. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the, in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back. Safe and sound, that the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Mm. He said, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, Dad. I've never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, he didn't say brother, he said son. Look at the distance. Oh. Who squandered your property with prostitutes, came home, 
You killed the fattened calf for him. Oh, there was some jealousy. There was hurt. There was pain. Even probably the oldest son was pained because of the choices of the youngest son, right? My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and alive again. He was lost and is found. What a story. You all know the story because we, we always speak about it in every children's service. In every, you know, every, I think once a year at least this parable comes into the service. Yeah. Because it's just a dynamic piece of art in the Bible that Jesus speaks about, this parable of relationship. But I want to highlight today something that is... Um, even the greatest thing in all of history. And the highlight of this story is that you can look at it from different angles, but the highlight of this story to me is that there is one particular desire that God has for all mankind. And if you want to understand this story better, then you have to understand the word with. One thing that the Lord wants in all of history, His greatest desire for all humankind is that He can be with you. Amen. And so, this word with has such a profound meaning to us. If we would grab and understand what it means, then our whole, the whole way we approach God would be different. And let me give you that particular word in the Bible with, because it comes back in the Bible many, many, many times, but it has such an enormous impact. The word says in John chapter one, the word was with God, Genesis two, and God walked with man. Deuteronomy 31, six, eight, I shall be with you, says God. Psalms 23, verse four, you are with me, says David to God. Emmanuel, God is with us. Isaiah 43, uh, verse 2, I will be with you, says the Lord. Yeah. 43, verse 5, I am with you, says the Lord. Right. Matthew 28, verse 20, for I am with you always, says yes. the Lord. Yes. Revelation 21, verse 2 and 3, God himself shall be with us. So with, what is this word with? What is this about? And what does it do with this story? Now, let me just clarify a little bit on the word with. So with God means actually to live in a constant state of connection with God, or with Jesus. Yeah. Like Jesus was living in a constant state of connection with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are connected to one another. This constant connection with God is something that the Lord desires for you to be in. And even if there's no exchange of words, even when there is no exchange of worship or singing or songs or speaking in tongues or jumping up and down, you can still be with God. Yeah. yeah. You can still yeah. be with God. It's like your mobile phone. You got a mobile phone, just raise it up for quick, quicker, quicker. Yeah, I know you got phones. Yeah. You always WhatsApp and text and Facebook and Instagram. So put them up quickly. Yeah. All of you. There we go. So who got iPhone 11? Next. There we go. Somebody is really blessed. Hey. <laughs> Okay, put them up higher, guys. No, don't be shy. You're always on the phone, so why not now? 
So right now you are connected. Yes. Even if you're not calling, even if you are not texting, even if you're not uh, putting something on Facebook or Instagram, you are connected through your phone. Yes. Amen. You're connected worldwide. Somebody in Lagos right now, your family member, you're connected with them through satellite and all kind of stuff, but you're connected through your phone. Yeah. In a similar, similar way, God is calling you to be connected with Him. Amen. Amen. If you're not calling someone, you always are connected. Even if you're not uploading or downloading, you are still connected through that phone that is already connected just by default. Mm. You haven't done anything. Well, perhaps you put a SIM card there. But Jesus in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. Now, the last part we always like, we want to bear much fruit, but the thing about to be with him, to abide in him, that's kind of difficult. Yes. To call to remain in him, to abide in him, is to be in a constant state of connection being with him. It's not an invitation just to, you know, rarely just text God. Wow. It's, it's not an invitation just to randomly call in on Zoom or Skype. No, it's a, it, it's a state where you are connected by your spirit with the Holy Spirit 24-7. Amen. 24-7. So to be with Him is to live with Jesus where Jesus is the primary goal and the primary source of your life. So it's not, I'm doing my sports, oh, and I do, I'm, I'm having Jesus. It's not like, oh, I'm going to study, and then I go to church, but then I meet Jesus. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go groceries at the up behind, and buy the bonus. You know the bonus? Mm -hmm. You know bonus? Yeah. I always love bonus. And especially when you do the bonus with a 35% discount. I love that That's my favorite. I was going to scan for that sticker. Got that. Very good. No, it's not like that. It's not like being, you know, going to the up behind and then, oh, I'm, I'm going to do it to Jesus. Or now in my calendar, there's two-hour small group time that I attend to church. Mm. No, 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 it's not about that. It's not like living your life and then, oh yeah, plus I need to do Jesus. No, no it's actually Jesus first. Yes. And out of Jesus, I'm doing my sports. Right. Out of Jesus, I'm scanning the up behind. Yes. Out of Jesus, I'm looking for the 35% discount. Out of Jesus, I'm going to my school right. group. Out of Jesus, I'm living my life, loving my family, doing the chores, going study, all of that. It's Jesus being the primary source. Amen. It's not accessing the source when I need it. No, it's being connected first to the source. Yeah. And that's why I live. Amen. Amen. You got that? Yes. Oh, come on. I'm in an African church. Yeah. Yeah. I should be jumping up. There you go. Hallelujah. So sometimes we, you know, whatever. Okay, there we go. So the core of it all is that God's desire for you and me is to live in this constant, deep, satisfying, all-powerful relationship with Him. Amen. Even when we don't feel it, yeah. even when we don't experience it throughout the day, you gotta understand it's because of Jesus that you're living. Yeah. It's because of Jesus that you can be engaged in all the things that you're doing. So even when you go through your daily routine, when you go through your hardship and troubles, it's that when you can enjoy the presence of the Lord. It's just that, that sense of I am in Jesus. 
this deep connection. Now why? This question comes up a lot of times in my mind. Is it so hard to experience this kind of relationship with God? You see, in Joshua chapter 1, God says to Joshua, Joshua, I will be with you. Oh, I like that part. Like I was with Moses. Uh, I don't get that part. So it seems to me that Moses had a different kind of with God that Joshua had at that time. Oh, God. Do you walk in church sometimes and you think like, oh my, I wish I was like pastor. Because he had that short line to God. That person seems so more holier than me. You see, they, when they pray, there's something, there's always a testimony in that life. They, you know, they get the brother and sister, they come to the front, they do the testimony. Every Sunday they get a testimony. Me, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're so, so modest, guys. But let's be honest. A lot of times we look to each other and then we, we're just gonna, what's the word, vergelijken. Uh, we compare ourselves. And we feel like, oh, this brother has more anointing. Oh boy, I probably need to fast a little bit further then. Oh, that person had more breakthrough. Oh, this person, oh, he hears the voice. I had a guy who always heard the voice of the Lord, literally every day, every second. One day this guy was praying, and he was praying for this girl that he was in love with. And then he said to me, John, I got this beautiful word from the Lord. And I said, really? I said, yeah. I said, I never actually, I, well, I prayed, but I never heard a voice or anything, you know. I just, you know, fell and chose to be in love with my wife. But okay, so he said, Okay, I got this word from the Lord. He spoke to me. He said, so what did the Lord say? You know what he said? Well, the Lord just gave me a picture. It's kind of very curious now. Yeah. I was like, wow, this guy is really close to Jesus. He said, I saw this big yellow, kind of like a square thing. And it says D-H-L. And I looked at him. I was like, he said, you know what it meant to me? The Lord leads. In a Dutch, the hair light. Yeah. I said, do you mean you saw a truck? They had L truck. He said, yes. And the, I just prayed. I opened my eyes. I saw they L, the Lord leads. And so that was his confirmation. Years down the road, he got married. He's now a little bit. So I said, yeah. So, so, so how you doing? Ah, oh, it's a bit tough, bit tough. I said, you remember they L? <laughs> Always, you know, have these kinds of supernatural kind of things. I'm just a little modest guy, trying to live my life. And, and, but you know what? I have to realize it's not about what I did or what I don't do. It's not about how much I speak in tongues or jump up and down. No, it's God's desire for far more than than my desire for for Him to be with us. Yeah. Then we have the desire to be with God. Yeah. Let's, let's, just, let's just think about it. His desire for you and me to be with Him is far more greater. Somebody say far more greater. Far more greater. Than my desire. Than my desire. Whoa. I, I don't think you really understood what I said. You getting it? You get it. Okay, let's try it again. When I pastor, I have a friend in South Africa who was a pastor. I was preaching in his church. He got all the African nation in his church in Johannesburg. So, so one day that church also they just jumped up and screamed because they really got it. So I'll try it again. <laughs> Don't disappoint me, eh? I know you're Nigerians, Zimbabweans, whatever, everywhere. Let's go. 
God's desire to be with you is far more greater than your desire to be with Him. Let me do it again. If you agree, just jump up the chair and give God some praise. God's desire for you to be with Him is far more greater than my desire to be with Him. Far more, far more greater than your desire to be with him. Amen. Amen. And so, but God, you know, even though I try my best to be with him and I feel coming short all the time, God looks farther, deeper down than what I do for him. And he looks at the motivation of being with him. Why do I approach God? What motivates me to be with God? One day, I was at home in an older, older home that we have, and my daughter Jessie, she just came to me on the couch. Jess, can you just wave? Can you hand your hand smile, Jess? That's Jessie. She's my beauty girl. She came to me, she said to me, and she came to the couch, and then I was sitting on the couch, and she just put her head next to me and looked me in the eyes and said, Daddy, I just love you so much. And I was like, oh my, I'm so funny. You want my credit card? <laughs> she just said, I just want to be with you. I love you so much. She looked at me and I looked at her. It's like I just had this real godly moment. I felt like, wow. And then she looked at me, Daddy, can I have ice cream? <laughs> Ooh, can I have an ice cream? A lot of times our approach to God is in a different is, is similar to this. You see, in the, there's a writer, his name is Sky Antani, who in his book he wrote about four attitudes or approaches, postures and how we approach to God. And I just want to highlight these four because they actually uh, come back out of the story of Luke chapter 15 that we just read. And I just need to, about five people who can help me out on this because I want to, I like the, the choir director to come up. He looks like Jesus, so let's just, because he's tall. Jesus is tall. God is always tall. So, so you can stand here, God. Go on, go on, go on. Emmanuel, God, that's annoying. There we go. There we go. Emmanuel, God is with you. Now you're playing God. There we go. Okay, don't get too pride, but just. Amen. Okay, I need four, at least four. Four people. Yes. Oh, just you three. There we go. Uh, can somebody else help? There we go. All four. Oh, the choir. Oh, it's time. Good. So, I'm going to sit you in order in just in about a second, okay? So, we have God here. This is uh, us, you know, us, we're humans. And we want to be with God. And there are four postures or approaches how we are with God. Uh, and so the first one is, I would say, to live under God. So now I'm going to bring you to Jesus. And I'd like you to sit under, yeah, like that on the floor. Thank you. you put your hand above like this. Okay, can you hold? Yeah, yeah. 
gonna take a while, so maybe that's the most at the end. There we go. The first approach is to live under God's rule. When we're living under God's rule, we try to please God by obeying His laws and principles so we can experience a blessing from God over our lives. That's the first approach. So if we worship God, our attitude is, if I worship the Lord, then He will bless me. If I give my tithes, He will protect me. If I go faithfully to church, do what we are asked to do, then I will experience His protection for my life and for the dangers that are outside of this world. So I'm living under the rules that have been set in a way so I can be blessed. In living under God's rules, we put the emphasis on behavior, yeah. on form, on rituals and expressions. Doing good by keeping God's principles and His rule and His word, by trying to be holy and perfect, entitles us to receive a blessing and protection against pain and suffering and grief in our lives. I'll give you a few examples of that. So I, I met this friend of mine, of mine in Africa, who was a pastor. He got called in, and I was called with him to go, to go to this, this brother in the Lord who just had a new car. So, uh, so we went there, he showed his car, he said, Pastor, I have paid my tithes, can you not pray for my car that I don't get any bumps? So we had to anoint the car to make sure that this car was safe and he wouldn't get an accident. Sounds a bit weird, right? He won't do that, right? But this happened. Really, honestly. So I was kind of like confused. So is, I paid my tithes, Pastor, so could you pray with me right now? So my car and I will be blessed. Kind of interesting. So living under God's rules, kind of like negotiating a contract. If I do this for you, God, then you will do this for me. If I keep your word, will you then bless me? If I do this right, will you give me your wife? Can I get a child? Can I get this? Can I get that? So we are focused basically on us, not so much about God. Can you still keep it? There we go. Perfect. Bicep, triceps. There we go. So we are focusing on him. So this American football player, his name was Steve Johnson. Basically, in, his, in the extra time that he was playing with his team for, I think, the Super Bowl, I can't quite remember, he saw his team losing. Did you know what he wrote down on Twitter the next day? He said, I worship you 24-7, and this is how you repay me? Oh, wow. This is what you do to me? Do you expect me to learn something out of this? I will never forget this. What an attitude. But he was living under the rule. He was living under God's rule. Out of fear that something could happen to him, like a kidnap or whatever. Something dangerous, and therefore he needed to safeguard his life by doing the rules, mm. by living on the rule. Now, that's uh, on the rule. I'm going to give you a bit of a... Is this safe to stand up? Can, yeah. can we do it? Can you do it? Yeah, try it. Praise the Lord. So, now this brother right here, you go a little closer to... Jesus, there we go. God, can you come up a little bit more like this? Perfect. He is living above God's rule. The opposite of living under the rule is living above God's rule. 
Now, when you're living above God's rule, it's basically that you live according to what you find important. You create your own system of safety. You create your own ways to have control over your life and to find your own happiness. Now, does it really sound like the Dutch culture? Yeah. I gotta admit. Yeah. I gotta admit, it's pretty Western. We're living above our own rules. So the, the main thing is, I am more important than God. Mm. Actually, I am the God. Yeah. I choose what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and what yeah, really blesses me. So why would I keep, and this is the thing, the fog line that people have when they live above the rule, why would I keep to live, why, why would I live under God's rule? Why would I keep His rules if other people who don't live under God's rule are more blessed, live in a bigger houses, have more success, yeah. so why would I do that? Yeah. I will live my own way. Yeah. I will stand above my own, my own I will. So basically they, they, they break away from God's rule mm -hmm. and say, uh, it's not a guarantee that if I live under God's rule that I will be blessed. Mm -hmm. If I look around me, I see people are more happier, more blessed, even if they don't live with God. Mm -hmm. So, I choose my own way. It's like the youngest son. Dad, you're dead to me. Give me my inheritance. I go for my own. I can do it my way. I've always lived for God, but now I choose for myself. Many young people today, they basically set these lines. I always went to church. I did everything they asked of me, but now I'm choosing my life. I'm choosing my own way. I'm choosing my own path. And we call this also the fear of missing out. Because when we look at people who live above God, they always have a nice Instagram page. They always have a nice Facebook page. Yeah. Their life is one big party. And what do we do? Yeah, we got stuck in prayer meeting the whole night on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know you. You always feel like that. You never yeah. do that, right? My church, they do. So you're living above God's rule. It's a choice. Either to live under Him or above Him. Mm. Now, let me give you another one. Living away from God. Okay, can you, can you stand right there with me? There we go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can, there's a funny one for you. So, come. A funny one for you. so living away from God. See, closely to living above God's rule is living away. Can you turn basically with your face to the wall? There, yeah. I just want to make sure what it looks like. Living away from God basically is that you... <laughs> you see... You're really not interested in God. We, we might be interested in His blessings, but we're not interested in Himself. So we hardly never read God's Word, but then when we have a test for school, we suddenly go and show up at prayer meeting. Oh, oh so we never include God in our choices and decision making, but now you're so in love with this Dutch girl, now you need to pray and ask the Lord if she's the right one. And you make sure you're praying fast so that God might bless you with this Dutch girl. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? We apply for a new job and now you start to pray and fast and do all kinds of things. You pay your tithes because you want to get that job. You're not interested in God, no, you're interested in the blessings. You never even hardly pray at the table, let alone together with your family, let alone you read your word. But now the family member is sick 
and you just had this phone call all the way from Lagos. And I said, oh brother, my, your, your younger sister is sick, please pray. Now you're gonna pray, now you show up at service, now you're gonna sit worshiping, now you're praying your tithes. But you're living actually there. You see, that's what a lot of people, Christians today, they live away from God. Away from God. The thing is, we basically, actually the truth of the matter is, we are not interested in God Himself. We're basically using God for our own interests. For our desires to be met. Now the opposite of this one is living for God. Now that sounds pretty cool, right? Oh, to live yeah. for God. Okay, I'm going to bring you to God when you do that. Could you just make a little room? Would you kneel down? Yeah. And then put your hands up like you would worship. Emmanuel. There we go. <laughs> Don't get any thoughts, Emmanuel. There we go. It's just my mystery there. Give a big hand to these guys. Huh? Good. Now, living for God. What does it mean? What does it mean? Living for God. It sounds pretty right. It sounds pretty right. We always hear it. Live for God. Live for Him. And it's good. And the truth of the matter is, in a way, it's good to live for God. But the premises of why we live for God is often based on a feeling of insecurity about the Father's love for our life and His acceptance of who you are. So let me explain. We believe that God has a big, great mission. Everybody agrees with that, right? Yeah. Matthew 28, yeah. right? We all have to go into the world. Yeah. We have a big mission. And we as people of Christ, we as Christians should accomplish this mission, the great mission for God, so that He will be pleased with us. So, it defines us, and everybody around us in our church, we kind of like scan the authority and say, well, this person is living really for God because he's showing up and, you know, he's doing the cleaning in the church, and this person is really living for God because he's preaching so much for the Lord. This person is really living for God because he's doing children's work. So we define everybody based on what they do for God. And the proof of the matter is, we also judge one another in the same category. Because if you don't do anything for God, then who are you? So either you start living for God, or, and run with His mission, or you're going to help the mission, go forward, or you got to wake up because you're in the way of the mission, and you need to wake up and start living for God, or you're just one fat, lazy Christian who only loves KFC, and you need to get moving, get your life together, because the mission comes. Yeah. Uh. Or maybe perhaps you are the mission. Maybe you, you actually are the mission. So the lie here is this. What you do what I do defines me. That's the lie that's underneath there. Whatever I do defines me. So if I accomplish the love, I am successful. If I have done everything for God, then His, His love and His acceptance he might be pleased with me. So we are so focused on doing something for God we are desperate seeking to do something for Him. And we call it the word, now whatever, what do you think the word is called? 
We call the word ministry. We ask the pastor, Pastor Farah, what do you think my ministry would be? Uh, if there's one thing the Bible teaches us, there's no, no such thing like my ministry. It's Jesus' ministry. All right. yes. So we're not living for him, but doing ministry. So others, when there's not given in the church that ministry that they seek, then they start their own ministry. And they come up with these funny names like Global Reaching Impact, Global Life Ministries. <laughs> then they got these titles that they push themselves on. I'm an apostle now. Oh no, wait, wait. Start off as a, as a, as a pastor. No, that, that doesn't really sound well because there are a lot of pastors. So I just skipped that part. Now, I'll just add a lot of things. I'm so I'm uh, overseeing pastor, and then and then I'm just gonna do a lot of it more because it's not anointed enough. So I just give myself a title of prophet, Come on. and then it's not even more. I just put myself apostle because I'm I'm a planter of churches, even though my church consists only of five people, which is my family. And then I do some more. I do some. More. I become bishop. But you see, in the end, it's living for God. And it doesn't say anything about you or the Father's love and acceptance of your life. So, I'm saying this here. If we try to better our lives for God, we try to do and live for Him because we've learned that what we do has to be a failure, then we have to stop right there. We have to stop right there. Because deep down, we're trying to find our self-worth in the things that we're doing in the things that we are showing to others. We believe that God sees us and that he's pleased with us, that he blesses us, that he loves us more if we do more things for him. One day I met this lady, she used to be a piano player in church, years and years. Always, every Sunday, committed to play the piano. Never skipped the Sunday. One day, she got very sick, and then she couldn't play anymore. You know what happened after a month of not playing? She really went through a faith crisis. And the thing was, she said, I can't play the piano anymore. God is not pleased with me. Who am I? What happens if your life is going through a crisis and you can't do what you always did or wanted to do? Are you still believing that you have worth? <coughs> Living for God is often based on the fear that God is not pleased with me if I'm not doing things right for me. Well, thank you guys for helping me make this visible. Amen. Amen. So Jesus illustrates this whole thing in Luke chapter 15, both sons. The youngest son, he actually lived away from God and he started living above the rule, above God. The eldest son, in fear, he lived under the rule of God and he started to live for God, for his father. Both sons forgot what it was all about, to be with the father. And in, this, in the parables of the same chapter, always comes down to this one little thing, and that is the pre that that if um, um, 
there is a rejoicing in the presence of the Father. When we understand that his desire for, for him to be with us is far more greater than our own attitude and All steps right. that we take. Right. Amen? Amen. Do you get what I'm saying? Amen. He wants to be with you. Amen. He wants to be with you. Now the question is, how do we learn to live with God? How do we learn? How do we do that? How do we live with God? Now I want to give you three steps about living with God. Are you ready? Yes. yes. yes? Church, are you ready or are you yes. sleeping? Yes. Okay. Number one, write down. Three steps of how to live with God. Number one, there are no steps. Amen. There is no step. There is no step. There is no step to live with God. Because all in the end, really what it's about, Pastor, can you just for a second? Oh, okay. It's just, I'm turning my heart to my Father. And it, the questions, it's all, the only thing that the Lord sees is, Lord, I want to be with you. To respond on the invitation of the Father asking, from, asking to you and me, can I be with you? And you're saying, yes, Lord, I want to be with you. Amen. That's it. And then you draw near. That's it. There's no step. There's no such a, and you can see, it's just your heart's desire to be with God, even when you don't experience a supernatural spiritual thing. Because see, a lot of times, we look at the Avengers, we look at the, you know, Supermans, you know, Christian Supermans, we look at those, those real, you know, high top level guys, you know, those Christian, we call them the Dutch Christian Bobos. Have you ever heard of the word Bobo? Dutch people don't understand this one. It means like the, the, the VIP Christians, because they seem to be very close to God, and we need to do that same thing. So we got to raise up and do the same thing and worship. But it ain't like that. Because even if you don't experience any supernatural experience at all, you got to realize it's just the thought that God is separated from you, that He is even closer than that thought of separation. And He wants to be with you regardless what you feel, what you experience, because he's already there. He's closer. Many people try to do their best to live for God in the hopes to experience some kind of fellowship that looks like an Avengers type of thing, you know? So now I'm just this kind of like sneaky superhero and I'm walking in the up behind and then, oh, yeah, I got this boost. Goosebumps. Oh, and now I just walk in the anointing. There we go. I'm going to walk in the anointing and I touch something. Excuse me? I don't know which planet you're from. It ain't like that. It ain't like that. It's nothing you can't you know, make up. It's by learning to live as a son. To be enjoying, to enjoy the presence of the Father. When you're in worship, or when you're just at the street. Mm. It's just that simple little prayer in your heart that says, Lord, I just want to be with you. Mm. That's it. I want to be with you. Mm. Lord, there's so much stuff going in my family. My kids in the drug, my da-da-da-da. Lord, I, 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 we need help. I need so much break. But Lord, above it all, I just want to be with you. I'm so thankful that you are with me. I can do all things because you're with me. You got what I'm saying? Don't over-spiritualize things. 
to walk as a son. Don't try to access some spiritual power or dimension in the way you're doing things for Him to get some things done. That's using God. But let your longing of your heart be simple this prayer. Lord, I want to be. That's what Moses prayed, basically. He said, Father, show me your glory. Show me who you are. I want to be with you. I had this kind of like a thing. I was preaching at a conference, and I was, I was, we actually went to Denmark on, on a holiday, and I was preparing for the conference. So I decided to, uh, walk, to take time to walk on the beach. And it was kind of like windy and rainy, and I figured, well, this is a real godly moment, you know, just to go into the rain and pray. So I put my earbuds on, and had this music on, this worship music, and it was about, you know, um, presence of God and I'm just walking on the beach you know? and I just Lord I just I just want to be with you and I just want to I want to hear your voice I want to spend time with you and Lord just you know inspire me and I was I was walking in the room with my jacket on this beach and it was kind of cold so rain in my face and I'm just trying to pray and I'm looking at people and figure like who's this real Dutch guy walking in the rain at the beach anyway so I was walking there and it, it was super cold and uh, after a half hour, walking, trying to pray, praying in tongues some more, trying to be quiet, you know, doing all the stuff, trying to find inspiration, looking at the ocean, thinking this is got a big wave. Am I going to be catched by that? I don't know where I'm going to be. Probably in Lagos. Anyway, so I was walking more and more, trying to pray, and I didn't get anything. After half an hour, in the cold, I was like, I'm an Indonesian guy, Lord. I thrive at 25 plus. I don't thrive at minus 10. But I, went, you know, I wanted to be spending time with God. I was spending time with Him. So I just prayed some more in the rain, the wind in my face, and decided I just going to quit. It ain't working for me. So then I got this weird idea that kind of like the guy said, go up to the dunes. So I went up to the dunes, and I found this little spot in the dunes. And I was in the dunes, I was standing there, and it was kind of like this place where there was no wind. I was covered by the dunes, there was no wind, no rain. And I was kind of like enjoying this, and the sun breaks through, and it's like, oh wow, it's kind of it's becoming a real godly spiritual moment. I was going, yes. And I kind of felt that God was saying to me, John, what are you doing? Well, Lord, I'm spending time with you. And the Lord said, Yeah, I see. And uh, but why are you doing this? Well, God, I'm spending time with you so that you can speak to me and inspire me, so I can do what you want me to do on this conference. And then it quickly dawned on me. I was trying to spend time with God. Well, the whole week, my heart was in another place. Mm. Now I'm trying to spend God, spend time with Him. Mm. For what? Mm. Not for Him. For the conference. For the conference. I just got convicted. You know what? I feel like that older son, you know, sometimes. I feel like the youngest son, sorry, the youngest son. Kind of like, Lord, I blew it again. I do want to be with you. And it's kind of like God saying, but it's okay. I'll look at your heart's motivation. I know where you are. I love you. The Bible says, Psalms 24, verse, uh, 25, verse 14. Sweet, intimate companionship, fellowship, is those who fear the Lord. 
who walk in obedience with the Lord. You know, in other, other translations says, he's like a friend to those who fear him. God doesn't want to be used. Not even for ministry. He wants to be friend. He wants to go deeper with you. Like a lover. He wants to embrace you. And understanding that it's all about that desire. Psalms 27 verse 4. Simple prayer. Oh Lord, I want to be with you. Paul said like this. I want to know Christ. Everything else is garbage. It's dumb. Doesn't really matter to me. I just want to know him. Know him. I believe God wants to be with you more than that we ever can be desire to be with Him. Mm. But I, I felt as we were going through this theme of going deeper with Christ, that we have to wake up to this first realization that He, infinitely greater, mm. loves us so much that He wants to be with us. But that we can try to do everything to be with Him, it will always come short. But if our simple heart's motivation is to be with the Lord, then no matter what you experience, what kind of spiritual dimension you might seek, you know, sometimes we just want to be with the Lord in order to, I don't know, kind of like, we have an idea of how to look, you know, we want to see, we call it that, you know, the Dutch people are something very crazy, they call it supernatural weekends in the natural world. <laughs> As if we, Heaven's going to open up if I'm going to show up that weekend. No, God wants to live that extraordinary life of relationship with Him in just your mundane, ordinary, day-to-day life. Because you matter to Him more than what you ever could do to repay Him. Amen? I don't know about you today, but I, I just want to be with Jesus. I don't want to be too quick to go out of and then go to McDonald's. I want to take a little more time to be with him. Understanding that he is closer than a friend. He loves us more than a lover. He wants to bring us deeper in that relationship with him. And if you say, yes, John, I, I, I recognize myself. You see, sometimes it's not just one posture. I do a lot of times, I think, oh gosh, I, I, I feel like I have all four of them in me. Mm. You know? Mm. I kind of, kind of, they all four speak to me. I'm a little bit away sometimes. Sometimes try, I'm so fearful that God may punish me. So I'm trying to keep up with His rule. Sometimes I just completely live above His rule, do my own thing. And sometimes I just want to live for Him because the mission is so great. But in the end of the day, it's just this simple prayer I want to be with Him. And then you realize this word, I love your name, Emmanuel. God is with us. Amen. Amen. Can you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, as we come to a close.